I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Hello, lovely ragers. I hope that we are all doing fairly well today. I'm feeling so great. I only have four shifts left at my retail job. I'm already feeling so much freer, and I'm so excited to be able to have more days and more hours free to work on this show and other projects that I have coming up for you. For those of you who haven't decided to join the Patreon yet, now is definitely the time to do so. My next coming book, I'm going to be covering the audiobook Still Learning by my dear friend India Oxenberg, who was part of the Nexium cult for seven years. And the book really details how she fell into this cult, what happened to her while she was there, and what helped her get out. And she's now been out of the cult for about five years, I believe. And she's done a lot of healing and work since then, but I feel like her story is so important because I feel like it's very relatable. I think that we all have this idea of people who join cults as being someone very different from ourselves. And when I got done reading that audiobook, that's what gave me the motivation to reach out to her because I really saw myself in her and not just in you know any sort of traumatic or psychological ways or anything. I haven't been put through the same experiences that she has, but just listening to her voice and hearing who she was as a person, I was like, I think we would be friends. Uh, fast forward a couple years later, we talk every day. <laughs> so we are very good friends. It's weird how life works out that way sometimes, but 
I'm going to have her on the show for the second episode covering her book, and she's going to be able to answer some questions that any of you might have after reading her story. I'm so excited to listen to it again, even though it's going to be a little bit strange now that I know her on a more personal level, but I'm really excited to talk about psychological manipulation, love bombing, all of these different things that I feel like all of us experience in some way, shape, or form and on some level in our lives that was really just magnified in her situation, so... I'm going to put the link to the book in the show notes. It is only available on Audible. So if you want to give that a listen, click on the link in the show notes and then go over to patreon.com slash angry neighborhood feminist and you can join the angry feminist book club at the $5 level. And if you want to get these episodes ad free and some extra content, you can join the feminist faves level at the $8 tier. And now that I'm going to be having more time, I'm definitely looking forward to adding some more bonus content and thinking of some other fun things that I can put on Patreon for y'all. All right, so I think that's all of the uh, housekeeping notes that I have for everybody. So let's get into the news from this week. I'm really covering one topic, but there are three stories involved, and I think it's really important to focus on this conversation this week. There were three instances of senseless gun violence perpetrated against teens this week due to apparent accidents in the United States. The first incident occurred in Kansas City, Missouri on the evening of April 13th, when 16-year-old Ralph Yarrell was picking up his younger twin siblings from a playdate, but instead of going to Northeast 115th Terrace, where the playdate was, he went to Northeast 115th Street. He approached the house and rang the doorbell. The homeowner then shot Ralph in the head and again in the arm. The shooter's name is Andrew D. Lester. And just so you know, I'm not sharing the names of these shooters to glorify them, but so that everyone knows their stupid fucking names and can shame them forever and make their lives absolutely miserable. Lester is an 84-year-old white man who looks like the biggest grump I've ever seen. Check out his mugshot if you want to have nightmares. He was taken into custody by the police for 24 hours before being released without charges on Monday. Thankfully... Though being shot in the fucking head, Ralph survived and walked out of the hospital on Sunday evening. I cannot imagine. The cops were feeling the heat from the community by Monday morning, and they released a statement saying that they had submitted the case file to the Clay County Prosecutor's Office. Why wasn't this done sooner? Why was this man just released and able to go home after he shot someone in the fucking head? A child in the fucking head. The prosecutor, Zachary Thompson, announced a few hours later that Lester had been charged with assault in the first degree, which is a Class A felony and could end in life in prison if he's convicted. Thompson also expressed his belief in a racial component involved in the motive of the case. You don't say. Lester was also charged with armed criminal action, which has a maximum sentence of 15 years in prison and a three-year minimum sentence in the state of Missouri. It's defined in Missouri law as the use of a dangerous instrument or deadly weapon to commit a felony. When the charges were announced, Lester was not yet in custody, and Prosecutor Thompson announced a warrant out for his arrest and added that he was unaware of his whereabouts. Great. Ralph's father, Paul, told the New York Times on Monday that his son underwent surgery over the weekend to remove the bullets from his head and arm. One of the bullets hit Ralph's forehead just near his hairline and the other in his shoulder. 
At the time, he was expected to make a full recovery, but was unable to speak. And I hope that he's feeling even better now that it is Thursday when I'm recording this. Paul also expressed his rightful anger over the fact that Lester was released and able to go home and sleep in his own bed while his son fought for his life due to his actions. He also expressed a concern for the black community as a whole, stating that this man is a danger to them, saying he could have repeated it with the next kid who looks like Ralph. And you know what? He probably would have. His dad shared that Ralph is an athlete who also loves music and video games and that he excels in school. He's also clearly responsible and a great son and brother for helping to care for his siblings. The Yarrow family is being represented by the legendary civil rights lawyer Ben Crump, along with attorney S. Lee Merritt, who said in a joint statement, There can be no excuse for the release of this armed and dangerous suspect after admitting to shooting an unarmed, non-threatening, and defenseless teenager that rang his doorbell. Lester turned himself into court on Tuesday and was later released on a $200,000 bond after agreeing to relinquish any weapons to authorities and to have no contact with the Yarrow family. He also agreed to let them monitor his cell phone. How kind of him. But are you fucking kidding me? What is it with these white losers who are able to make these promises in court even though they are fucking dangerous? You're sending this man home, which was also the scene of the crime. What are you doing? Of course, Lester pled not guilty. In his defense, Lester states that he lived alone and was, quote, scared to death when he saw Jarl on his porch because he thought he was trying to break in. First off, I wonder if he would have come to this conclusion if it was a white child at his door. Second, why is your response to a break-in by a teenager to shoot him? When I was scared of the Jehovah's Witnesses at my door as a child, I dropped to the ground, army crawled to the phone, and called my mom. You could have gotten to a safe space and called the police and done this appropriately. But of course, I do not believe that Andrew Lester was scared. This is the oldest and one of the most racist defenses in the books, and it's used in the cases of violence against the LGBTQ community, too. It's also alleged that Lester was heard saying to Ralph after he shot him, Don't come around here. Now, does that sound like someone who's scared for their life? Next was the driveway shooting of Kaylin Gillis. Kaylin was a 20-year-old college student with dreams of becoming a marine biologist someday, but she was fatally shot on Saturday, April 15th by a homeowner when she accidentally turned into the wrong driveway in upstate New York. How many times have all of us done this? I'm pretty sure I did this yesterday. Or even just to fit into a better parking spot, you'll turn around, kind of get into someone's driveway, back out, right? May not be the nicest thing in the world to do, but come on, it's just a thing. The shooter was Kevin Monahan, a 65-year-old white man. There were four friends in the car, and Kaylin was in the passenger seat. They thought that Monahan's home was their friend's house, but once they noticed their mistake, they began to back out when two shots were fired. One hit Kaylin, killing her. They were in a rural area with bad cell service, so they had to drive a ways to call 911. Monahan was arrested on the charges of second-degree murder and is being held by authorities. He was arraigned on Sunday afternoon where he pled not guilty. Now, I know there are fundamental differences in these cases, particularly that one victim survived the attack and the other didn't, but I think viewing an attempted murder as less than actual murder is problematic. Ralph was shot in the head. That was a shot to kill. The shooter shouldn't be punished less because he failed his mission. But I cannot help but wonder if this situation with Kaylin would have been handled differently had she been a young black girl. 
Monahan's attorney stated that their client, quote, did not intend to hurt anyone. He goes on, he's charged with a subdivision of the murder statute, which says he intentionally took a life. This was a series of errors that were made that he is part of. When you have a victim and a tragedy, the thing everyone wants is a villain. But not every time there's a victim and a tragedy is there a villain. Now, I don't see how any of this wasn't intentional. Please explain to me how your client is not a villain, please. What exactly were these errors that occurred? Did he accidentally grab the gun? Did he accidentally pull the trigger? Explain better, asshole. Both the lawyer and the perpetrator have been tight-lipped with authorities as to why he opened fire into the car. Of course, as the media got a hold of this story, this guy's neighbors started coming out of the woodwork to say how the shooter had a, quote, sour character and a hot temper. He appeared in court on Wednesday where the judge decided to hold him without bail. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Lastly, two teenage girls were shot at a supermarket parking lot in Austin, Texas, near the Capitol. In the media, they've been referring to these young women as cheerleaders, but I feel like by doing that, it's diminishing who they are as people for some reason. Not that a cheerleader is diminishing or anything like that, but they're more than just cheerleaders. The girls were carpooling for cheer, and Heather Roth got out of the car and into another one that she presumed was her own. But when she got into the car, there was a man in the passenger seat. This is truly one of my biggest fears. Like, when I get into my car, especially at night, I always look behind me in the back seat to make sure there isn't someone, like, lying down back there. I am terrified of this instance. So, of course, she panics, realizing it wasn't her car, and got out. Heather said she was trying to apologize to the man when he got out of the car and began shooting at them. 
The girls immediately began to drive away from the scene, and about two miles down the road, they realized that Peyton Washington was badly injured. They stopped the car and called 911. When the ambulance arrived, they were able to assist Heather at the scene, but Peyton had to be helicoptered to the hospital where she was in critical condition. Peyton thankfully survived, but she suffered a ruptured spleen, which was removed, and had damage to her pancreas and diaphragm. The shooter was 25-year-old Pedro Teo Rodriguez Jr., and he was taken into custody early Tuesday where he was held on a $500,000 bond. The whole thing was caught on surveillance cameras, which helped prove who the shooter was. Rodriguez is charged with deadly conduct, discharge of a firearm, and a third-degree felony. All of these stories are so unbelievably upsetting to me because it's all stuff that either I've done or friends have done accidentally. I remember when I was in high school, I had this friend, Josh, who... I can't remember if he was coming over to my house or someone else's house, but he went to the wrong one and he like just walked right in and like sat on the couch to like wait for everybody. And then all of a sudden this other family came into the room and he was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And like immediately left. And it was super awkward, but like no one tried to shoot him. No one even chased after him. The family was probably just like, oh, what the fuck just happened? If he hadn't left, they probably should have called the police no matter what, even though obviously he was harmless. But come on, like kids make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. There are times that I grab the wrong car handle all the time in the parking lot because I drive the same car as a million other people. It's not that difficult to make this kind of mistake. And then in the case of turning around in the driveway, like I said, that's something that I do all the time. And that, yes, might be annoying for the people living at the home connected to the driveway, but it's harmless. No one's hurting anybody. Just let them be. None of this makes any sense. And the fact that Americans have such access to guns and have such ability to use them and the fact that when they do use these guns, they are not properly punished for the harm that they have caused, people will continue to do this over and over and over again. And now these weren't mass shootings, but mass shootings this year have been astronomically high in numbers. On Saturday, April 15th alone, there were seven mass shootings in the United States, which is the most of any other day so far this year. Before this past weekend, the most mass shootings to occur in one day in 2023 was on New Year's Day, which had six mass shootings. Though this number is high, it isn't record-breaking. The day with the highest number of mass shootings in recorded history was July 5th, 2020, where 15 mass shootings occurred over 13 states. There have been more mass shootings than days so far this year. We reached over 100 mass shootings in the beginning of March. It was in an article from March 6th that I read the statistic, which means that there were about 100 mass shootings in at least 65 days. According to Pew Research, about a third of American adults say they own a gun. 44% of Republicans or right-leaning people say they personally owned a gun, compared to 20% of Democrat or left-leaning people. The number one reason given for these people as to why they own a gun is due to personal safety. Now, I don't know if I really get that. 
I think in certain parts of the world, if you live in like a really rural area or if you live kind of in the middle of nowhere, I feel like having some self-protection, like even from animals and things like that, is a good idea. This is something that Max and I have talked about because I would so love to just kind of like go out and live on a ranch one day or something. And he's like, well, then we'd have to own a gun. And I'm like, no, please no. Like I, I hate them. I hate guns so much, which is why I know that I can't sympathize or empathize with the people who are gun owners at all. So maybe that makes me a bad person to argue this. But I really, even then, like, I'm just kind of like, do we need it? Is there something else we can use besides this unbelievably deadly weapon? And I just don't see why people think that they need to defend themselves as much as they do. We're not living in a time of war. I mean, there are other countries other than the United States that have tighter gun laws that are in a lot worse shape than we are. It doesn't make any sense. America is known for having the highest number of civilians with guns in the entire world. We are supposed to be the most developed country or whatever. Yet why do we need so many fucking guns for protection? To me, the answer to the question, why do you have guns, even though I even hate this answer, should be hunting. (laughs) Like, that's it. Or if you're a police officer and need it for work or so on and so forth. I just don't see why everyday people like you and I who can make these kinds of mistakes as well are able to have such deadly weapons. And if you've got to hold on to your handguns or whatever, I guess I can make some wiggle room. But why on earth do we need to be having assault rifles? That makes absolutely no sense. And I know that this isn't tying into the three events that happened in this past week, but gun violence as a whole is all part of this conversation. And I don't think that people should have the access to these firearms like they should. And I'm so fucking sick of talking about it and I'm so sick of feeling like there's absolutely nothing that I can do about it because everything in our politics is so tightly tied to the second amendment I just I don't understand it I don't get it I don't get how anybody can look at the state of our country right now and the gun violence and think that we don't need to make some drastic fucking changes. Even Republicans who are angry about these school shootings and about these people being killed with guns are not seeing the fact that we can have the simplest of solutions just by minimizing the number of guns that we have in this country. I truly don't understand how people are able to mold their minds in such a way to believe that we need these weapons in our lives. There is no need for them. There are other resources. There are other things that we can do. There is too much killing and there is too much violence in this country and my heart can't take it anymore. I'm sure that all of you are feeling the same way. And I also know that I have a lot of young listeners that are probably able to put themselves directly into the shoes of those who were injured and killed within this past week due to gun violence. And I'm sure you too can think of the little accidents and mistakes that we make all the time that didn't end up in you dying. My heart goes out to each and every one of these victims and their families and loved ones and to their communities. I wish that I lived in a world that could make kids safer, but we just don't, and I don't know what to do anymore. 
besides talk into this microphone and tell you all how angry and sad I am. But that is everything that I have for you today. I thought it was really important to focus mainly on the topic of gun violence and the incidents that happened with the teenagers this week. And just another reminder, if you do want to join the Angry Feminist Book Club, you can go to patreon.com slash angryneighborhoodfeminist or go to the link in the show notes to join at the $5 level. And if you want to join the Feminist Faves tier, you can get that for $8 on Patreon as well. I haven't received a review now in a couple of months, and my Apple podcast feed is looking a little bit lonely. So if you enjoy the show and you haven't left a review yet, please go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review with a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show. It really does help people get that extra little nudge to hit play on an episode. Also, if you're not following me on Instagram, please do so at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. That's where all the fun is had. And I've been having fun making some little reels lately. I definitely need to think of some more ideas. So definitely follow me there, chat with me there, interact with me there. Let me know if there's any news topics that you want me to share in the coming week. If there's any full-length episode topics that you want me to discuss, please feel free to DM me on Instagram or email me at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com, though I do seem to be better at responding on Instagram. Just a little trick for you all. Okay, Ragers, that's all I have for you today. With all of that being said, I encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hi, it's Jennifer, a founder of Go Kid Go and a mom to two kids. Join my family on the story train with calm conductor Birdie each night as we travel through the magic rainbow tunnel to everywhere and anywhere to find the best bedtime stories. Search for Story Train on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.